I don't know, I was just always competitive as a kid, even playing football and stuff, I hated to lose. Everyone else would kind of walk into change rooms and they wouldn't care about it, and it always annoyed me, it affected me a bit more. I don't know, I just maybe just had it in me. Welcome to Sport Inspires, a podcast recorded in collaboration with the Mary Peters Trust and made possible by the Coca-Cola Thank You Fund. Today's episode is with legendary two-weight world champion boxer Carl Frampton who's only recently retired from the sport just a few months ago. This conversation was hosted by Thomas Cain and Lady Mary Peters, who asked Carl about how retirement has been treating him, what he plans on doing next, and some of the lessons that he's learned from the highs and lows of an incredible career. That about a week after the fight, uh, maybe being generous, about five days probably after the fight. Um, I don't think I'll ever get one back again, but um, it's been alright, just relaxed. I, to be honest, I've been dead busy, I've been busy enough, but it's been good to be at home and not have my life dictated by boxing and you know, training and, and being away all the time. It's just it's good to be at home. You still look great, but have you put on weight since? Oh, a good bit of weight. Have like I feel like I hate it well, Mary, but I, I just I've I've got softer. I don't, I don't like it. Like I just look soft, so uh, it's annoying. Right. You look good, doesn't it? Yeah, with a t-shirt on, well, I took my top off and say something else. <laughs> Listen, fifty years on, I've still got the bags. There's the benchmark. No, flip me. What's a typical day for you now? Um, normally, well, kids are off school. They get off there on Friday, but. Before that, just bringing them to school, picking them up from school, maybe doing a wee bit of training, having a few meetings here and there, um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do in the future, if I'm being honest. I'm just in the process of pulling it all together. And what I don't want to do is just rush into anything too soon. Just you know, I'm, just, I'm literally just retired, so um, I'll take my time and it'll... It'll work out in the end, I'm sure. It'd be lovely to be at home with the family though, and the wife, yeah. you know, after being away training camps. And just, just, yeah, and that's it. Like we, you know, boxing, it just takes over your life. And, and you would know, Mary, with, with everything that you've done, it's just like, you know, you can't, you can't go on holiday because you may have a fight coming up. And if you, if you do go on holiday, you can't, you can't eat properly, enjoy it properly because you've got a fight after it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just good to be able to do what I want now. Kids love getting off for summer holidays, but are you probably more excited than the kids? Given you've never had a summer really with them, have you? Because no. you've always had these big outdoor events and and maybe fights in July or August that you've you've had yeah. an eye on. You now have the summer; you can do whatever you want. So, what are the Frampton family going to do? Is yeah. Carl going to be out on the on the barbecue? Well, we'll do a bit of that, and obviously, travel's a bit restricted still, isn't it? It's starting to open up a wee bit, but I'd like to get away if I can. Don't even know if I'm allowed, but. I've got, um, we're going to Blackpool next week. We're going to listen to ski the week after. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just, I think, I think this is the first full summer. So I turned pro in 2009. Um, so this is the first time I've had a summer mm-hmm. off, literally, so um, since 2009. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to just going with the flow. 
Are you a caravanner? Did I read? No, I, I've always, I, my mates have caravans, but I love the North Coast. And um, I was looking at, I was l thinking about it for a while, but um, I've done all right, so I might even look at a wee apartment or something. I don't know. I don't know. But I love the North Coast. It just brings me back to my childhood, really. That's where I went, you know, from my holidays. Like, so, yeah. Let's get this out of the way quickly because it's been a massive privilege for me covering Carl over the past decade or so. But put in context just how big a star he has been here and just how great an ambassador he's been for this part of the world. Well, you know, we, we in my charity supported uh, Carl when he was a young sprog and we've seen him grow and develop. Did he grow that much? Well, <laughs> <laughs> grow in stature <laughs> and in everybody's mind. Now everybody knows who Carl Frampton is and, and long may it last because I know you're going to put back. But, you know, I've been to your fights and in the dressing room afterwards and seeing you get stitched up and mm. things. How long did it take you to recover from a fight with all those injuries to your face um. and body? Not, not as long as you'd imagine, and, and it, was, it was weird. I, I always, like, when I had bruises and stuff, I, I healed relatively quick, I think, compared to most, for whatever reason, but I didn't cut that much. I used to get little nicks. I never had any really bad cuts, and some fighters suffer from, from them all the time, but I always had bad welts, like big, you know, swollen head and stuff, but I was lucky that I never, never cut that often, but after about a week or so, you're kind of getting, getting back to normal. A few paracodal and stuff sort you out. And that's it. <laughs> but you know you've risen in everybody's eyes with great respect that you're going to put something back into the community. And as you say, I'm not rushing it. Don't rush because mm. you can get involved in too many things too quickly. Yeah. Take your time and choose what you're going to do with with your notoriety. Yeah. And there's so many young people out there who could benefit after COVID from getting involved in sport, whether it's boxing or running or whatever. Whatever they want to do. No, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to. I want to. I want to give back and um, do some sort of community project. I, I still don't know what. Um, probably boxing will be involved, but um, like you said, or like your your organisation, your charity helped me so much when I was a kid, um, who just had a bit of potential really, and it was it helped me grow and succeed. And you know, I'd like to. I'd like to do what. Something similar, as opposed to what you've done, and just just give back to people. That's all. You're very modest, and you talk about having potential, but you also say that you weren't the best boxer in your club, in your county, in in Ulster, no, in Ireland, no. So, what set you aside? How did you get to the top? Well, see, I, I always talk about this, and I, I talk about you know, there's kids who who were the same age as me, um, and were beating me convincingly when we were. 12, 13, 14, and you always think, why am I, why am I in this position and, and they aren't? And it really is just because I, I, I worked harder than them. You know, I, I trained hard. Um, if I if I lost a fight, I would surely I would be upset, but I would come back to the gym and I'd, I always had this idea of being a professional sportsman, whether it was boxing or football at the time, because I enjoyed football too, but um I just had this idea, even the defeats, they just kind of, they didn't really set me back. I just, I just wanted to improve. And the only difference really from me and them kids that were beating me is I probably wanted it a bit more than them. Where'd you get that from? I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm not, you know, my dad's not from a sporting background. My, my mom definitely isn't. Um, I don't know. I was just always competitive as a kid, even playing football and stuff. I hated to lose and hated, you know, I used to, you know, I used to play for a local team called Locks Eight Boys. And if we lost a match, I'd be really upset. I wouldn't be crying, but I'd be angry. Everyone else would kind of walk into the change rooms and they wouldn't care about it. And it always annoyed me. It affected me a bit more. So, I don't know. I just maybe just had it, had it in me. Is that a similar thing you see with all top sports? But were you like that? I was. All the rest of my career, I just wanted to go out and enjoy it. I didn't really want to win. I, w- I didn't have the greatest ambitions. But when you do win, it's so good oh, that yes. people want to share it with you. And everybody wants to share you. I mean, I saw you in the street when you were doing that video for AJNI. And everybody's going, there's Carl, there's Carl. Do you guys enjoy that? Oh, yes. I do. I and do. People are nice, aren't they? It'd yeah. be sad when they stop asking for your photograph, I think. <laughs> but do you also think it says a lot about the people here? Yes. And, and also about you two, that you live here, you haven't lost touch, you still, still go down and get your pint of milk at, at the, the shop. Mm-hmm. It's been something both of you have worked at, that you haven't gone away and maybe lived a life of, of luxury and superstardom and come back here briefly. You're very much ingrained in this place. Has that helped your I, life? Overall? I think that's probably why um, Mary still gets the support and recognition she does. You know, so long after her Olympic gold medal, um, and, and it's why I had the support that I had because you never get above your station. You just, you know, I if I was, I've been very lucky and I've done what I've done in this sport. But if I was doing any other job you know, behind the camera here or working on a building site or a coffee shop, I would be the exact same person. And I think people people from Northern Ireland, they don't like flash, do they? They yeah. hate flash. And, <laughs> and if you get above your station, they'll, they'll, they'll let you know. And when the, by not supporting you, really, they just, they just don't want to know. What stage do you think professional sport was a possibility? I mean, you said it was your dream. It was my dream. Yeah. It was never a possibility for me. It's, mm. it's most kids' dreams to be a professional sportsman. When did you think, or or sportswoman, when did you think there was a chance? Well, when I was pretty young, I knew I was good at, at, at boxing, I suppose when I was about... I always just had it in my head that I was going to be a professional. Um, so, I don't, I, I don't think I was ever, ever worried that I wouldn't, wouldn't make it as a professional boxer, because I knew, I knew I was good, you know, without sounding big-headed. I just, I just had it in my head that it was going to happen, and there's, there's people... You know, to be honest, boxing is one of the only sports where you don't have to be that good to be a professional. Um, I think you're being modest. No, no, you don't. don't. Well, you see, Carl, I know you say that, but you can be lucky in team sport. For example, you can be a rugby player or 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 a Gaelic player or a footballer and you can get the right move at the right time. You'll have a great game and someone sees you and picks you up. There's no hiding place in boxing. No, well, what I was saying is that you don't have to be well you have to be good to be a good boxer but I could train you for two weeks and you could probably get a professional boxing license <laughs> like there's challenge accepted <laughs> you, you don't have to be that good um, to be a professional boxer but to be a good professional boxer obviously it takes a lot of hard work what would you say to 16 year old Carl Frampton what was he like um, just a, a young a young kid uh easily influenced easily led at 16 i probably went off a real to eat but i had a couple of bad years but um i would say 
probably always have a lawyer look at your contracts. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get, you turn pro. Just actually, see before you turn pro, we always talk about amateur boxers here. Mm. You know, you've got Paddy Barnes, you've got Michael Conn, you'd Wayne McCullough, so yeah. much amateur success. Why did you never get that chance to go um, to the Commonwealth Olympics? There's a guy called David Oliver Joyce who was in front of me. The number one, he was the number one in Ireland at the time, and me and him had a bit of a, bit of a rivalry. Um, so I was, I was doing quite well in the lead up to Beijing in 2008, and um, David was the number one at the time in Ireland. I was number two, but I was kind of outperforming him in the multi nations. And there was a box off requested to go, not by me, by the by the Ireland coach Billy Walsh, to see who was going to go to the qualifiers for Beijing. David Oliver's coach at the time was also the president of the Irish Boxing Association and the box off never materialized. So it's amateur boxing is full of politics as as you'd all know. But um David Oliver then went to four qualifiers, never qualified, came back home. I drew I beat him in the All Ireland final, dropped him, gave him a standing count and stuff. And it was almost when I turned pro, it was almost like me giving the fingers to the boxing association saying you should have get they should have given me a chance at one qualifier. I'm not saying I would have qualified, but I, I deserved a chance. Um, and I proved that by by beating him when when um he came back. Was it a big blow not to not to get that opportunity? Yeah, it was at the time. I wanted to do it. And and even the Commonwealth Games, not going there as well, that was massive for me because I was Irish champion at the time for the Melbourne Commonwealth Games. And I boxed in the Ulsters, winner of the Ulsters go to Australia for the Commonwealth Games. But a kid called Ryan Lindbergh beat me um, in the Ulsters. Beat me he, beat Sc- he beat Scott he beat everybody. Well, Lindbergh. So it's a guy from Belfast who pretty much from beat, the falls, yeah. Yeah. beat everybody. Beaten everybody as an amateur. Yeah, he beat, he beat Luke Campbell, who's an Olympic gold champion and, and stuff. So he, he beat everybody. But he beat me as time to qualify for the Commonwealth Games. And that really hurt me because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Northern Irish man. I, I'm proud of Northern Ireland. I would have loved to have went and represented Northern Ireland. And I didn't get the chance. And I imagine I just won a multi-nations like a week before it. I beat a Welsh kid 20-0 in the, in the final of it. So I went to boxing the Ulsters, you know, full of confidence. Probably if I didn't show up, if I just said I was injured, they'd have picked me as the number one in Ireland. But I went and fought this kid and he beat me and he got sent. Uh. Yeah. So you turn pro, tough game, professional boxing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, especially at the start, because you say I get turned professional, but it would cost me money for my camp, mm. from my food, from for everything that goes the into my, my training, mm-hmm. licensing, everything to do with that. You're boxing in front of what, 25, 30 people? Yeah. And you make your debut? Yeah. How tough a role is that? Not, not just Not just physically, but also mentally. It's extremely tough. It's like, you know, People have this opinion of professional sports people as they've all got plenty of money, but at the start you have nothing, like literally nothing, and you rely on sponsors and other people to help you out, your parents and friends. I literally lived off Christine's student loan for the first couple of years of of my professional career, so um, it it can be hard. I've just seen a a, a girl who's in the UFC has just had to start a GoFundMe page to pay for a training camp um, cost ahead of her next fight, so... Um, it's not all what it's made out to be, but you know, w- you know the hard work and the big fights that I've had, and I suppose selling tickets and having the fan base that generates money. And um, 
but it's the first few years, unless you're an Olympic gold medalist, you're, uh, you'd be struggling, you know, to, to make ends meet at times. But very quickly, a car front and fight became an event. That must have been unbelievable. When did you think this has clicked? I'm on, I'm on something here because you start at Liverpool yeah. in front of a handful of, a handful of fans at what, six o'clock probably? Yeah, first fight, yeah. And then you're headlining in Belfast at big venues, mm-hmm. venues that you walk past, you dreamt of. Yeah. What is it like for a boxer? when you start to have a fan base, it starts to be something that people in the street are talking about. Yeah. You start to have Liam, uh, at that stage, Dean Mary Peters turning up at your fights. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was when I, I used to box on, so I, was, I boxed on a couple of bills in the Ulster Hall and they weren't quite full, so it was close to being full, but there was a wee bit of fanfare about it and I always got... Um, the the press were always very good to me over here in, in Northern Ireland and and you then yeah you, you gave your time you were very accommodating yeah well I think it works both ways then doesn't it so um and that's an odd bit of advice I would give people and it would be easy contacted by the press because they put your face out there and they help you sell tickets as a boxer but um I used to was when I was boxing on Paul McCluskey undercards um, chief support to him I fought a guy called Steve Mat- Steve Malator former world champion good fighter two time world champion. Um, and I fought him and McCluskey was always a decent ticket seller and his nights were, were big enough events but I think as, a, as his chief support I probably outsold him in tickets and I remember I think that's when I kind of started to think right you know I, I could do something here and the fight after that Eddie Hearn it was at the time put me on against Kiko Martinez for a European title and uh, topped the bill atmosphere was electric Odyssey was packed and I think you were there yeah. I think you were there yeah. that fight yeah. hard fight as well yeah but that's that was it then how did Christine feel when she sees you being punched around the head she doesn't like it Mary I'm and, sure and, she doesn't and she after the Warrington Josh Warrington fight which I lost a few years ago it was a pretty brutal fight probably the most brutal fight I've been in she just said look I, I can't go back and I was I was hurt bad in that fight like it was a I imagine it was a hard fight for, for your loved ones to watch. I remember I actually flew across with Christine to that fight. It just happened to be in the same, same uh, flight. And there was a moment in the second round where when she was ringside. Like, Christine, Christine maybe has this... People maybe think that they see Christine on social media having a bit of fun. She's a very, very private person. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be anywhere near the, 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 the cameras. She is a devoted mother, devoted, mm. devoted wife, and, and she's, a, she's a lovely, lovely woman. And I, just, I remember seeing her that night and just thinking, oh, she wants to be anywhere in the world but here. Mm. I, I watched the fight back, and the first time I watched it, I literally watched her at ringside and her reaction. She just sat with her head down the whole fight, pretty much. Mm. I felt bad for her. The build-up to your fight, this is obviously talking about the mental side of sport, but physically... You push your body right to its limits. Give an example of how far you've pushed to make weight for a fight. Given the fact that as well as that card, you've got on team interviews, you've got to sell a fight if it's pay-per-view, so you have to be in front of TV cameras at press conferences in fight week. Your body is pushed as far as it can go. Yeah, it is. It's that that's that's the worst thing really about about 
about fighting for me it was anyway was making weight towards the end of my career at fighting at nine stone four it wasn't that difficult for me to make that that was an easy weight for me to make but eight stone ten at the start and i remember um at a world title defense in el paso in texas and um at about six pounds the most i've ever had to lose about seven pounds more than the way in but about six pounds to lose this time but it was already dry um and i remember there was a, a press release written up press release written up that i'm gonna have to vacate my title on the scales because i missed the weight but i, I just made the weight i remember going to eat after it mm-hmm. and cramping like fingers toes were cramping having to pull my fingers apart it was it was it was bad you know you know, trying to make weight and you're walking about like a zombie constantly, like people having to steady and stuff. It's it's not nice. And then having to stand in front of maybe two, three thousand people who are going bananas watching you step in the scales and want you to almost kind of yeah celebrate when when all you're thinking about is I want I want to get some fluid on board. Bananas were the great thing, weren't they? Yeah, Stop bananas and get the sugar like and back in. Yeah. Something easy to eat as well. Yeah. yeah. How exhausting is that as well for you? mentally um it's hard but it's just i i don't know i don't know any different really so it's just you know it was part of the game for me and i i always thought it did it i always struggled with the weight so um yeah it was just something that i i got on with you were part of those huge events i mean the titanic slipway will go down and will be remembered in 50 years time because of the scale of it because of the fact it was a world title fight in Belfast, outdoors, beamed around the world, in the shadow of the, the Titanic building. It was spectacular. You were there. I always remember before the fight, every time there was a video shot of Carver out and the crowd went bananas. And about five minutes before the walkout, Avicii was playing dance music. And Lady Mary was up dancing with Karen McKellen, the sports minister, going crazy. And it was one of those things you had to be there. But what's that time like for you before a fight? When everyone else is partying, when yeah. everyone else is can't wait to see a glimpse of Carl Frampton and you get the game face on. I was just focused on winning, really, and um, worried about... Yeah, you just don't want to lose. Do you worry about things? Not, you don't worry about getting hurt or anything. I always worried about embarrassing, being embarrassed, like doing something stupid or having been completely outclassed or being knocked out in the first round, but not worried about getting hit or being hurt. Um... But I, um, I always, always just worried about doing something stupid, really, and being embarrassed. Thankfully, did. What were those fights like for you, ringside? I, I don't like the blood and guts, but I love to see young people making it big. You know, mm. I went over once to uh, Glasgow to see Charlie Nash fight Jim Watt. Yeah. And uh, Harry Carpenter was there, and he spotted me in the crowd, and he said, "Come down and do a wee bit." Yeah. You know. <laughs> This ringside, and I'm going, Come on, Charlie, come on, Charlie. Oh, Charlie. It was all over. Within minutes, the, the fight was over, and I thought, Oh, that poor guy has put in all this effort and all this hype, yeah. and he was beaten in. But I've been ringside when uh, we uh, read um, Huey, Russell. Huey Russell, who I adore was fighting and getting splattered with blood and thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah. And yet the atmosphere at fights is wonderful, especially with the Belfast crowd, because they are passionate. Yeah. 
And you'll know yourself. The thing which always amazes me about boxers are they tend to be nice guys. They are. But they have to flick a switch and become nasty. That's because true. if you're not nasty in a ring, you're not going to win. How do, you, how do you do that, Kurt? I don't know. I, I, I suppose I've been doing it since I was, I was so young. It's just, it's like anything really. You know, any, any, any sportsman wants to beat the next sportsman or sports lady. Um, you just want to win, really. So, you know, Putty Barnes was best man at my wedding and he was a boxer we fought each other a few times but if we fought now like I would you know and he would be the same he'd, he'd want to butter me and, and I'd want to butter him you just want to win like I, I was speaking again about this and, and it sounds bad but you do anything to win there was a guy I fought a guy called Chris Avalos hated him he was just a horrible guy an American and his family you were, weren't you, nice you were, there, you were there for that one as well I always remember it felt like the, the SSC arena was, was moving oh that yes, night. that yes. was that was jammed to the rafters. Yeah. The place was rocking. Yeah, but I remember our our arms locked, so I had his arm here, and I tried to like crunch <laughs> his arm. His arm was straight, and I like tried to like break his arm. Like oh wow, oh God. got got you get away, you get away with these things when and he would have done it the same to me, but oh, yeah. I was on the blind side of the referee, and he went ah, and the referee he didn't see it. He up that though. The whole way before he was trying to. Almost be the pantomime. Yeah, no, he, he was, was a, trying to get under your skin. But he was a horrible wee man, and his family, his his mother threw it, took a bit of chewing gum out of her mouth at a press conference, threw it at me and stuff. Oh. They were <laughs> yeah horrible. Do you family. know who it hit? The back of my suit. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, it stuck to the back of my suit. Yeah, just so I wanted to, I wanted to fix him. Could I ask you about women boxing when when Jane Crouch was yeah. the first woman? I saw a video of her and I thought, no, this is not right. Women should not be hitting each other around the breasts and in the face. But then you see Katie Taylor and Nicola Adams who have revolutionised the sport for yeah. women. How do you feel about women boxing? Would um, you like your Carla too? I wouldn't, but that isn't because it's just women. I wouldn't like Ross at a box either. No. Um, just because she's my daughter and he's my son. And I know how hard a game it is, but... Female boxing is massive at the minute. Obviously, you go back to the the Jane, who kind of kickstarted it in in the UK and Ireland. But Katie Taylor has been an absolute revelation. Like, and and she's put women's boxing not only in this part of the world on the map, but globally on, on the map. And she's such an amazing fighter and a like a lovely, lovely girl as well. Um, and the female fights at the minute, there was a there was a time there were. Ten years ago, you know, I like to be honest. You, if you stuck a female fight on the TV, I wouldn't have been that interested. But they're so competitive and well matched, and they've improved so much. Like some of the fights are, are brutal. You know, yeah. they're. Well, you didn't you do Katie, pursuing, uh, pursuing over in Madison Square Garden? Yeah, what a fight that was! And, and I said that it was not only a, a great advert for female boxing, but. But boxing, it was an unbelievable, one of the best fights I've ever seen. Have you met any boxers that have suffered from mental health issues and it has been their saviour to be in the sport? Um, yeah. Um, I, well, we all know Tyson Fury's talked about it openly. Um, Ricky Hutton has had his own, his own issues as well. But there's been so many, there's been so many people um, that it's given a bit of direction to. And even, even before you get to the stage with them who had made it and they're kind of... They've hit the highs and mental health has suffered, suffered that way. But before you get to that stage, 
there's other kids who could have been going down a life of crime and um, you know misbehaving and just doing different things and boxing is kind of bit of a cliche isn't it brought them off the streets and and to help steer them in the right direction but it is true and it's true because it's the areas where boxing clubs are are in these working class areas where there is crime and and there is violence and 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 people are and people need a bit of direction really and, and a boxing club and other sports clubs can can help that but so many of them have made it big and then mm got out of that situation and helped others yeah. in, in being good at sports. There's so many good stories like that, yeah. We've spoken about, about the big nights. What's it like when you win a world title? Um, well, the first one was unbelievable because it was that was the dream always. When, you know, when I, even before I turned professional, I want to be a world champion. So when I'd done that against Kiko at home, um, it was huge. Um just relief, really. But winning the big nights, it's it's hard to beat. Just you know, hear hear your name called at the end. I don't know, pure pure ecstasy, really. It's it's unbelievable. What about when it doesn't go your way? I'm it? thinking, I'm thinking, Warrington, <coughs> Santa Cruz, and obviously Herring. But yeah. More, more so, more so, probably Warrington. Yeah, Warrington hurt me more than any other fight because um, I feel like I feel like I could have won that fight because. Uh, he won the fight fair and square, but I feel like a different approach for me. I could have won the fight, and I, I didn't think he could hurt me because there was nothing really, no evidence to suggest that he was a puncher, but I've never been hit like that in my life. Um, and I was just a bit too relaxed in the f- first couple of rounds, and it was hard for me to come back after that. And um, I feel like, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful to someone, but I feel like the best version of me at that time would have beaten the best Josh Warrington, but I just I had a I had an off night. I lost to Santa Cruz, very good fighter, a four weight world champion. Um but I'd already beaten him as well and I just expected there to be a third fight but I never materialized. And the hurrying fight disappointed again but you know I had a go and you know I just I wasn't the same fighter as I used to be and he was he was a big lad as well. The Warrington fight was just before Christmas. You said that you were tired, effectively. Yeah, yeah. For, for ten days. What were those ten days like? And how important was your family? Yeah. Your friends at that time. Very important. Um, I like in my head, I was a retired fighter. I, I just lost, and I was kind of thinking, you know, how do I get back? I I want to be fighting. I don't want to just be a boxer that's making up numbers. I want to be involved in big fights and 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 get myself in, back in contention for world titles. And I just didn't see a route for me to do that. Um, and then I had a, a talk with my team at MTK and and top rank and Bob Arm came in with a with an offer um, and they talked about moving up to super featherweight and, and we feel like we get you another world title shot and when I heard that I was like right I don't want to it'd be great to become a three bit world champion but I don't I wouldn't like to end my career on a night like Josh Warrington I know I know that that was rather than Rather than me being done that night, it was just a bad performance. And I had another few fights after it. Taylor McCreary fight that was comfortable, won it easy. Um, and, yeah, Hurrying was just, you know, just just too good on the night, really. That was it. It's something that I'm sure you've spoken to a lot of sports people about. The decision to retire. When did you make the decision, Carl, 
I mean, you said that you were going to retire after hang no matter yeah, what. Yeah, when was, did you did you make that decision before COVID hit? Because that fight was put back. Yeah, a year. Yeah, was that always going to way be last way fight? before? Pretty much the decision was made after the Warrington fight. Like, if I win another world title, I'm retiring. So, um, was that as much for Christine as for yourself? For us all, really, Christine, yeah, um, myself as well, because I know how hard a game this is, and and you know it, it can't be good for anybody to be getting constant um, abuse to their head and training camp sparring, and and then obviously the fight as well. And you know I've got a young family as well, so I just I, I made that decision a long time ago that if I win a world title, I, I'm I'm retiring, I'm done. So. That was the plan. I wanted to. I wanted to beat Jamel Herring, um, but wasn't to be. Um, and I just didn't see another way back for me to get in contention without going. You know, having the. You know what? I, you said big, big fights or no fights. That was always your. Pretty approach. much, pretty much. I didn't want to go round the houses again to get myself in the position. I, and I don't know if I'm good enough anymore to do that. So. Where do you keep your belts? They're uh, in the living room. Um, <coughs> I've got a nice cabinet. And they're uh, they're just in the living room, all on display. I've got actually given a European title and the Commonwealth title to my to my local club, the amateur boxing club, have them in, uh, on the wall. So I've been trying to get a museum to put all these wonderful things in a sports museum, but we've had to disband because we never got the funding, which is sad. But um, you know, the, uh, lots of kids would love to see those belts. Yeah. And, no, yeah. yeah. Do you think there's enough help for athletes that transition from? Being the centre of attention, you know, being being such a hero to so many people with the crowds and, and with the superstardom to then stop. I don't think there's any help out there really for people to uh, take. I know, like I was 35 before I retired, which was quite mature for a woman. And, and I knew my time was up, you know, because there were young people coming along Um being at home and not having, having to train. I still did train, but it didn't have to because it yeah. wasn't compulsory uh, because it didn't have the, the goals. But I, I just think, yeah, sports psychologists need to look at that. It's okay helping people prepare to win mm. and be a champion, but how do they deal with it afterwards, and especially married couples, I think. Mm. You know, now you're at home with Christine. Is Christine working still? No, she's no. um she but she's looking. She's a lawyer. She, she wants, isn't she? No, she she done a degree in criminology, criminal justice. But because of me being away, she never really furthered that. But what she wants to do now, and I've said to her, is she she wants to work like she wants to go into some line of work. So she wants to make a car. <laughs> she, I think that's probably the case too. But we'll um we're we're all in the middle. Of, maybe me and her could do something together. You know, who knows. And if you had a choice of somebody alive or dead who you'd like to meet up with or have mm. dinner with, who would it be? Ali. I think that, I think a lot of sports people, not just boxers, would, would say the same. I've done a thing with, with Paddy Kilda recently, and he says he met him, and you know he's a huge, huge superstar, and he was meant to do something. I think it was opening the, the ceremony at the Special Olympics when they were in Ireland. They were, they were in and, Dublin, yeah. And Ali was meant to do it, and then yeah. he, he was sick, so he couldn't do it, but he was in Ireland. And so Keelty ended up doing it with Roy Keane or someone. But they um, brought him out, didn't they? They, the did, they brought him out and then he says to Keelty, his team says, do you want to go and meet Ali like the next night? And he went, of course. And uh, he says he, he went and met him and, and Ali was there like just 
dead nice like wind them up he doesn't know who Patrick Kilde is but he's <laughs> wind them up and stuff and you know it'll be, it would be amazing so what do you want to do now? Um, well you want to take time first what yeah. you said but what, what, what do you want to do what do you you know even, even at a more basic level yeah you say you want to learn language yeah which one? Spanish okay yeah um, that would be a bit of advice that we give any young professional boxer as well learn Spanish imagine a young Irish kid um, you know someone like Paddy Barnes white freckly skin with you got ginger your face with ginger hair <laughs> going to America and speaking Spanish yeah. the, the Mexicans would love you so mm-hmm. um, I'd love to learn Spanish I'd love to learn the guitar um, I want to get involved in some sort of community project um, go with the flow really at the minute that's it you content you happy yeah I am I am and, and the reason for that is because I I done more at the very start of my professional career I've done more than I ever imagined I could have so how can I not be happy I would have liked to have won the third world title but if you'd have asked me in 2009 when I turned pro, would I have ever been in a position even to fight for a world title in a third weight division? I'd have thought there's absolutely no chance. So I've done, I've done all right. Would you like to see him on reality TV? I'm not sure about that. I'm not a great follower of Love Island and no, I'm a celebrity. If he's on Love Island, he's, he's ready for the, for the biggest fight of his life when he gets up a Strictly come dancing, maybe. I won't be allowed to do that. I, I, apparently, that's the only one I'm not allowed to do. Christine says they all have a furs and all. What would you, would you like to go to the jungle? Would you yeah. like to do MasterChef? Why not? I like cooking. Um, I'd like to, we'll see. We'll see what comes up. Listen, you, know? you like singing too, you hear? I like yeah. singing, yeah. I like singing. And, um, yeah. He is very good. I, um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, this, these podcasts have been made uh, possible through the Coca-Cola Thank You Fund. And uh, so this is going to hopefully inspire a new generation of young people. Um, apart from uh, learning a language and being happy, which I always say to young people, please enjoy it. Is there any other advice you'd like to give to somebody perhaps who's struggling at the moment? Too? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think being being happy is difficult for people, isn't it? Uh, you know, you can't just say to someone, be happy, and that's it. You know, okay, I'm going to be is happy. It's more difficult for fellas because they don't probably talk as much. Maybe they don't talk about it. And I think I'm someone who's never struggled about stuff like that. I, I would openly talk to my wife, and I'm, op- you know, I'm crying all the time. Like, I'm, I'm a very emotional person mm-hmm. behind the scenes. So I'd always, you know, I have, I have good people around me who can help me. But I think talking to people is very, very, very important. And, um, you know, again, cliche, but a, a, a problem shared, shared is a problem half. Then it is, you know, if, if people don't know what's going on, how can they help? So, yeah. Last word to you. I just want to thank you for taking the time. It's been a real privilege to be with you today. And I want to thank you, Mary, for um, helping me as a kid because it was a big help. Um, it was a big help then to receive uh, uh, some funds off you to help. You know, we literally have nothing, just a kid with a, a bit of hope, really. And um, it was a, a great help. And I'll, I'm more than happy to help you in the future as well. Sport Inspires is a Best of Belfast production recorded in collaboration with the Mary Peters Trust and made possible by the Coca-Cola Thank You Fund. 
To find out how you can support and develop future Northern Ireland athletes, please visit marypeterstrust.org to donate today. Or you can join our 200 Club, where your £5 monthly donation enters you into a £350 cash draw every month. Thank you so much for listening today. Hope you enjoyed it as I did, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day.